The American Outlaws are here in force. A sold-out crowd here for the first friendly of 2014 for the United States and South Korea, both on their way to Brazil. Well, we saw this Wednesday night against Mexico. South Korea struggles with wide play. This is a great position from Graham Zuzzi. Better run from Brad Davis, but Chris Wondolowski has made a name for himself in MLS and be in the right spot at the right time. Great early start from Chris Wondolowski in the United States. This is Park with the corner, the flick on, and Romando just kept it the right side of the line for the U.S. And here he is in the penalty area, Wondolowski! Two for Wondo, two for the U.S. And talk about making the most of your opportunity. Chris Wondolowski getting it done. United States get off to a winning start in 2014. Greetings and welcome to the third episode of the Yanks Go Marching Podcast. From the suburban sprawl of New Jersey to Rocky Mountain High, Colorado, I'm Pat Chewbacca McDonald, and this, with me as always, is Chris Han Solo Kaminsky. Chris, how you doing? I am cold as shit yet again. Uh, negative temperatures here in Denver, but, uh, I, you know... Uh, I'm keeping myself warm with a little 90 shilling uh, from Odell Brewery here in Fort Collins. There you go. Yeah, I'm uh, battling the 20-degree temperatures we have in New Jersey with uh, Lakefront Brewery, IPA, uh, out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is delicious. I recommend it. And our producer is drinking Stella with a high of 20s in Maryland. Well, we might as well start this episode out talking about the U.S. national team's friendly against South Korea's B team that happened on Saturday. Uh, the U.S. came away with a 2 nothing victory, uh, which obviously does not matter in any way, shape, or form. Really, all that matters is about uh, individual performances in this one. Uh, a couple guys got the first caps in Luis Gill and DeAndre Yedlin, although neither, in my opinion, did anything that's going to cause you to call them up in Brazil, but they definitely look promising for 2018. Uh, Chris, uh, from what you got to see the game, did uh, who, who do you think helped, helped themselves in this one? Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, here in Denver that weekend, we were, we were pretty concerned with a little something we like to call throw ball, uh, and unfortunately didn't turn out too well for us, so there's a little bit of a la- uh, hangover there. But um, <clears throat> as far as the game's concerned, I, you know, I thought – Wondolowski was really opportunistic. I like the way he pounced on those two balls. I didn't feel there was a lot of great buildup in either of those plays. It was just his typical, you know, kind of dagger mentality. And I'm not sure if that's enough to move him up in line. Obviously, Johansson is playing very well. We've uh, relied a lot on Josie in the past and Agudelo, who we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh, you know, might be rounding into form. So there's a lot of names in front of Wondolowski, but I like the way that he played. Uh, there was, uh, I really, I mean, I don't know if Romando's ever going to move ahead of uh, Tim Howard in the pecking order, but, uh, you know, looking at a lot of his saves, they were easy saves, and that's all positioning. And I, I as much as I hate RSL uh, and all of its players, uh, I thought Romando was really well-positioned 
uh, in that game. And you know from watching Buna Kondul for so long, positioning is a lot of the goalkeeping yeah. position. He was never in a position to make a hard save because he was always in the right place. Uh, other than that, Beasley and Gonzalez had a decent game. There was some, you know, they gave him some bad possession, a couple chances that I wasn't particularly happy with. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I was very interested to see how Disgrude and Zussi would play. You know, both had good moments and bad moments. So I don't know if either one of them really stood out to me one way or another, good or bad. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think for the most part, I agree with you. I, I do think Zussi actually had a little bit of a better game. Uh, you know, both, both goals came, were obviously very opportunistic, uh, by Wandelowski. It was good to see him knock him in. Uh, but both were, uh, crosses, uh, by Zussi. Uh, the first one of beauty that, uh, he got on the end of Brad Davis's foot and, you know, and, uh, Wando was able to put it home in a what they have always termed what the kids are calling a Wando style goal. Yeah, I mean, the, I definitely think so. I think if there were two players, I mean, I absolutely agree with you about Romando. I don't see him, you know, surpassing either uh, either Howard or Guzan anytime soon. But if the worst case scenario happens and those two guys go down with injuries, I'm not at all worried about uh, Romando having to pick up uh, the pieces. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about Wando in a second, but. Um, one of the, the person, if there's one player I can say who absolutely really did hurt themselves in this game, I think it would have to be Brad Evans. Uh, up until this point, through CONCACAF, he's been okay at the right back position, but not exactly a world beater by any, any stretch of the imagination. It, it is alarming to see, even though he has not played in a while, and obviously there's some rust collecting there. Uh, it is alarming to see him get turned twice by a South Korean B winger. All it can bring is a nightmare scenario to any national team fans' uh, uh, minds of what Cristiano Ronaldo is going to do to this guy uh, when they play Portugal. So, uh, what do you what do you think about Brad Evans? Do you think is it time to end the Brad Evans experiment? Uh, do you think Klinsman will end the Brad Evans experiment? Well, he didn't, certainly didn't help himself as we get closer to these World Cup warm up games. You know, he's going to be playing less and less, find himself in less and less important situations. So the opportunities to kind of step forward are becoming fewer and far between. One thing I'm really interested in, though, is how you felt Parkhurst fit in at left back. And if you think that's a position <clears throat> he could help out uh, depth-wise. Uh, I think in terms of depth, I think Michael Parkhurst is on this plane to Brazil. Uh, he is obviously nothing to write home about going forward. But... uh he does, he's just, he's a great positional defender. And I mean, you know, he'll, he'll take care of business on whatever side he's on. And I, and I think that's something that's absolutely valuable to have if you don't have your first choice, uh, fullbacks. I mean, yeah, your offense is absolutely going to suffer a little bit, but, um, Parkhurst, it, it, just defensively, I think he's, he's too valuable to leave home. But if you, one yeah, thing that's you could... my question. My question is just, Klinsman relies so heavily upon those outside backs to get forward into the attack, be very two-way type players to be steady in the defense, but also contribute to the offense with crosses and with, you know, uh, with good distribution out of the back. Uh, Is Parkhurst that kind of guy? Can he contribute there in terms of getting the ball forward or is he going to, are we going to see a lot of zero zero games if he's inserted into the lineup somewhere in a pinch? Parkhurst will come in handy if, uh, the U.S. has gotten four to six, four to six points out of their first two matches and they just need a draw against Germany. Uh, I, no, I, I definitely don't think he's, um, offensive caliber 
type of fullback. He's absolutely purely defensive. Uh, I mean, there were even moments you saw him come up the wing there and having to use his left foot to pass, he never looked more uncomfortable than uh, when he had to use his left foot. So, uh, no, he absolutely is not a uh, someone to be considered on the offensive side of things. He can occasionally, you know, bring himself into that uh to, into the attacking third, but uh, no, not very often. He's, he's absolutely a defensive option that would be brought in. But I mean, at the same time, I don't think he'll he'll see the field unless you know, unless in my opinion, Cameron at right back or uh, Johnson or Beasley on the left uh, goes down. So I, I think he strictly would be an emergency backup. Um, with that being said, let's actually re- return to the Wando thing because you did you did touch upon it and the logjam there it at uh, forward um, right now probably your top three in order are Josie Osdor, Aaron Johansson, and uh, uh, Eddie Johnson. With the fourth guy, I guess being Terrence Boyd. Um, do you do you think Wando really has any shot of making this uh, this roster? Do you think like uh, for example, I mean. He is a pure goal poacher and does bring something different that everyone from what everyone in front of him uh, already offers. Do you think that's a valuable quality and may allow him to sneak onto this roster? I, I can't see it without someone having a serious dip in form or a serious injury. Uh, the one thing about Wondolowski, I mean, this this was a good performance against a very you know kind of pedestrian Korea team. Uh, but you know, he's had trouble poaching those goals for the U S team in the past. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it, yes, opportunism is really good, but you have to be in the flow. You have to receive the ball in good places, uh, and contribute to the attack if you're a forward for Klinsman. So uh, yes, he brings something different. It, is it enough of something different to knock other guys off, uh, the depth chart? I just don't think so. I mean, my my one counter to that would be would be that Johansson, Altador, and Terrence Boyd all bring something very similar to the table. So, I mean, the likelihood that you use Boyd at all, I mean, it, again, it would come down to the same like Romano injuries if both Johansson and uh, and um, Altador went down. So, I mean, I, I guess you know Boyd is the only one who really has a chance of. Uh, Unseating there, uh, and obviously Agudel. We'll see. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But uh, I don't. I don't know Possibly, if I still see Johnson as the as the likely person to to play the third spot there. Yeah, and no, I I agree. If, yeah, if anything's different at forward, uh, there, it would be someone who emerges who's just a speedster. Yeah. Who can run at defenses and really pull apart that back four and make it lose its shape? And I, you know, Wondolowski's just too one-dimensional in that in that sense to be useful to us. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're going to start a new segment. We're going to try and do this every week. It's a best eleven based on form of the United States men's national team. Uh, it may coincide with who you know, Klinsman currently has at those positions. It may not. Uh, we'll stick with the four-three-four-two-three-one format that he's been running. Um, so let's, uh, first, uh, why not? Let's start with the keeper. Uh, keeper, I think your best 11 right now has, uh, you know, it's still got to be Tim Howard. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. Howard. No question. Yeah. Uh, Although I will, I will say again, Romando, you know, played, played, played himself into securing that backup spot, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he, he's the third key. I, I think Guzan still is that 1A spot. Um, but yeah, for now, unless, uh, Coward, has more games like he did against Liverpool a week or so ago. He's still the man. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, yeah that that next go to guy, not the backup backup, but the next go to guy. Right. If, if someone goes down, yeah. 
Yeah. The safety. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, then we have across the back line, uh, at right back, I am going to join the people calling and I'm going to say Jeff Cameron is the best right back in the American system right now. Uh, until I see something otherwise, I, I agree that he's, he's the best option there. Uh, I, you know, really wish some of these Clinton projects would come through and, and show themselves to be, you know, worthy of that spot. But until they do so, it's Cameron. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even consider Evans, the, like, the number two. He probably is uh, for the time being. But with everything I'm hearing out of Germany and and uh, Timmy Chandler making a very late push, uh, he very That's well the, might. I, I like Chandler, but he's not there right now. He's not yeah. in that spot right now. I mean, yeah. he's to play better for the Nats for, to, to get that to want that spot. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it would be nice to see if he gets a call into the Ukraine match and see if that form he's currently displaying in Bundesliga will uh, translate. Uh, center back, uh, I would have to go with the guys that Klinsman favors, and that'd be Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasler. What do you think? Hard, hard to go against it right now. Although there, are, there are still moments of lapses, and I would hope that working, you know. Them more in the lead up games with Howard will eliminate a lot of that. Uh, the only person for me that I could see upsetting any of that is, is Goodson on his best possible day. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. absolutely. He, he, he's, uh, he's someone that, uh, Goodson is someone who I think is serviceable, but you know, right now I don't think he's quite where they are. The, at left back, uh, Demarcus Beasley has been the man for Klinsman so far, but I am actually going to have to say with the old favorite, I think Fabian Johnson is the best option right now at left back, despite how good he has also been on the wing for the U.S. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're a dick for stealing my entire back line. But, <laughs> uh, you get to go first, so you, you get to pick your best team. Yeah, I, I like I like Johnson back there. I I think especially against you know, some elite uh, teams with possession and movement uh, coming up in the World Cup. I think Johnson's better uh, equipped to face them than DMB. All right, so that is the defense. So now let's talk about the two holding midfielders there. Um, I think uh, there's the one guy who actually may very well be uh, considered for captain soon. Uh, Michael Bradley is, I think, the one lock, and I think you still got to stick with I know there are a lot of fans who disagree, but uh, Jermaine Jones is that destroyer that I think is just uh, been tremendous under Quinsman. What do you think? Yeah, uh, listen, Jones, he's not just a destroyer. He does distribute well when he wants to. Uh, he doesn't distribute particularly well right through the middle, but he can play long balls out to the wings and get get the momentum moving forward. Uh, he's the the most experienced, the most severe, the most sudden, you know, guy that we have for the midfield. And I, you know, I just cannot stand the thought of Kyle Beckerman manning the middle of the field. <laughs> so it, it's 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 Jones, it's Jones, it's Jones, and of course Bradley's the best player that we have in you know in a U.S. uniform right now. Uh, the way that he was playing, you know. When he got on the field for him was really 
really fantastic. He affected games, uh, and you could see, you know, the, the quality there, both holding and going forward. So, uh, yeah, I like both those guys in the middle part. Yeah, the, the only, I mean, I, I don't dislike Beckerman as uh, much as you do. Uh, the one player that I could see possibly sneaking into the conversation, although I don't think he would unseat either one of these guys, barring injury, is uh, Danny Williams has been doing – uh, pretty well over at Reading in the English Championship at the moment. He might, uh, actually, he might keep Beckerman at home, even though I think he's been playing all right in the national team jersey, uh, despite your dislike of the guy. Well, uh, but Williams can go forward, right? R- Williams yeah. can go forward more than Beckerman. It just depends upon if you want a two-way guy or if you want a strictly defensive, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna aggravate you type of player that Beckerman is. Right. No! God, please, no! 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 That's our Kyle Beckerman noise. Thank you very much, Jason. <laughs> All right, across the wing, starting on the right wing, uh, going over to the right wing, I think, uh, especially after recent form and uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, U.S. national team performances, I would actually start Graham Zussi in that position. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, listen, I like Zussi the way that he's playing. I'm, go- I'm going to say something a little bit different because I'm thinking about World Cup. I would go with mixed disc root. He's got a couple inches on Zussi, and I think that will be real important uh, in some of those midfield battles, uh, particularly when you think about playing against uh, Germany. Uh, now, it, it, he may not have the, the speed that you really want to keep up with a, with a Ghana sometimes, but um, I, I like, just for me, I like disc root there, even though I can't really say you know, Zussi's a bad idea. Uh, Discrude, if, if anything, I, I would rather see him uh, in that more central attacking second forward mo- uh, role. Uh, I don't necessarily love him on the wing, but that actually does transition rather well. Even though I do like him in that role, I still, despite everything that we've seen out of this guy recently, I still have to say Clint Dempsey is the man at that position uh, and that, that second forward uh, central attacking mid, even though he's clear, just looked. Clear, clearly. Uh, I mean, he's looked bad for Fulham. Uh, I can only assume he's going to break out of it once he comes back to Seattle. What do you What do you think? You still You still think uh, Dempsey's still the man there? Yeah, it's his job to lose clearly. Uh, and listen, everyone's going to go through slumps. Uh, but if there's anybody who's got kind of the heart to get out of it, I think it's going to be Dempsey. Now. This is all subject to change. We still have, you know, several months before the World Cup starts. So, you know, that's – it's, yes, Dempsey with a caveat. But there's no reason to think that he's going to remain in bad form for, for you know, five months. There's just not. Uh, what do we – what does the U.S. do if he does, however, not break out of this slump? I mean, he is going to be 31 in March, which is not – Terribly old by any stretch of the imagination, but does the U.S. have any chance with a out of form Clint Dempsey or Clint Dempsey for that matter not on the field? Listen, I I actually do think that that we're at a place now that we that no one player is greater than the system, uh, and and so I yes we can survive the loss of pretty much anybody. That being said, for us to go where we want to go, I think there are. Uh, Probably four key players to, well, okay, I'll say five. Five key players to that happening. Uh, Howard, Josie, uh, Landon Donovan, uh, and, and Bradley, and then Dempsey. I think those guys have to be 
you know, playing very well or at least, you know, de- reasonably in form for us to do well. Now, that having been said, if, if say, Dempsey is just, you know, out of form, playing like garbage, whatever, clearly the move is to put someone on the right wing to move Donovan in a supporting role behind Josie and to, and to put Fabian Johnson on the left-hand side and play DMB at left back. I mean, I, I think that's the kind of thing that Klinsman would do. I'm not sure that's what I would do, but I think that's what Klinsman would do to, to remedy that. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Um, yeah, Donovan, I, I didn't exactly love him in that position against uh, South Korea, but he did do well in it uh, in the Gold Cup. So we know he's the least capable and he's probably be, be the uh, best role there. Uh, which actually brings us to the left wing, which is uh, where I think right now uh, Landon Donovan is uh, the best guy for the starting level. What do you think? Yeah, and I, I personally I think Landon's better on the right. I mean, I think he's, he's oh, absolutely a classic right winger. I wish that there was some <laughs> way that we could just you know put Johnson at left back and at left wing. <laughs> um, but you know, I do in terms of what we're you know what we're working with right now. Yeah, put Landon on the left side because we know he can handle it. Uh, he can run at you know, a, a team's left back. He can try and disrupt that defense a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I think it works for, well for him there. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think uh, I, I think that he is better on the right wing. Uh, but with Zussi, at least in my opinion, being that guy, um, I, I think Zussi is – Donovan is more ambidextrous than Zussi and uh, therefore can handle the left wing spot better than um, better than uh, Zussi. Uh, but like you said, I think, you know, if, uh, if Klinsman decides to stick with DMB back that left back, Fabian Johnson obviously is probably your top left, uh, left wing at the moment. And, um, you'll probably see then again, Donovan shift back, shift back over to the right. So then that brings us to the final position forward. Uh, we can have a little bit of a discussion here, but I still think, you know what? If we're basing it on form, it's, it's Aaron Johansson. Aaron Johansson right now is the top forward in the U.S. player pool. What do you think? Uh, he's pl- he's playing the best, yes, on form. He clearly, 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 and yet I still Josie had settled into a role with this team, uh, and I think that's you know his role to lose. Uh, so if we're saying on form, yeah, it's it's probably Johansson. But I think in terms of what he's been able to contribute in the last you know six months. To the, to the men's national team and the way he's played when put in important situations. I, I, that person's still Josie. And I think that he, he hasn't been so out of form for so long that he can't get it back. Now, talk to me again if he hasn't, you know, he's not scoring anything in three months. Then clearly it's Johansson. Well, if there's, if there's one thing we take away that's positive about Josie Outdoor is that, uh, since his terrible form in the Capital One Cup against, uh, Kittenmeister or something, I don't even remember what the name of the team was. Uh, he did have a fine match, uh, last week in the Derby against Newcastle. Uh, so if he's going to continue that form, continue slowly improving, getting out of this funk, uh, fans can check him out on Saturday morning against Hull City at 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, we will all be hoping that he continues to improve. Okay. That kind of leads us a little bit into Yanks Abroad. Uh, today, there's actually some interesting news for some players. Uh, Juan Agudelo finally scored, or, well, finally, he's, it's only been his third match, but finally uh, got on the board for FC Utrecht, scoring a goal there. Is this something, it's pretty much what we all expected in a league that kind of doesn't care about defense whatsoever. <laughs> is it, 
<laughs> is it something to get excited about? Or, you know, is this first of many to come or what do you think? Well, sure. I mean, I think, I think there's, that's a good opportunity there for him to play in a place where he can, you know, rack up a few goals, get a little hot, grab some people's attention. Uh, I, I, I've always liked Agadell. He's just too similar for me to Josie to be that serious of a contender for, uh, time on the national team. But I, I really wish him well on it. And, and hell, you know, the more guys that we have that can, that can be real, um, clinical finishers, real good goal scorers, the better it is for, for us as a nation. So. Yeah, I, I think he could sneak into that, um, that 2014 team. Uh, he could unseat Terrence Boyd, Wando, whoever like at that fourth. Boy? What's that? As Waterboy? No, Wando. Wando, I said. Wando or Terrence Boyd. He could no, unseat Waterboy. No, you like Al could sneak in? Yeah, he, he could sneak in over Terrence Boyd or uh, Chris Wondolowski if he keeps the scoring pace up. Uh, oh, cer- certainly over Wondolowski. I, yeah. But does he jump over Johnson? No, I don't think so. I think that I think there's that fourth striker position that uh, is pretty much between Agadello, Boyd, and Wondolowski. And right now, I think Boyd has the upper hand. Yeah, do you think Klinsman's going to take a fourth striker, though, or just be confident I, I, in, the, in the idea that Dempsey or Donovan can play up top if need be in a pinch? I think he's going to bring, if you're going to include Dempsey and Donovan in that conversation, I think he's going to bring six players to the forward, uh, in, including Donovan and Dempsey, who will line up most likely in that midfield role. Yeah, I, I do think so. Okay. So that that happened there in the Eredivisie uh, today. News out of the Bundesliga. Fabian Johnson is looking to leave Hoffenf- Hoffenheim at the end of the season. Um <laughs> So, uh, Matt Doyle of MLS Soccer tweeted out that 19 MLS teams should all consider bringing him into their, into MLS. Uh, I kind of think he's going to be going on to bigger and better things. Uh, what do you think? Should Fabian Johnson maybe rethink this, stick at Hoffenheim? Do you think he should try and look to go to greener pastures, uh, in the Bundesliga or somewhere else in Europe? Well, I guess greener pastures is, is a real dangerous thing. It's a two-edged sword. I, he's, he rates well with Hoffenheim. He gets, he gets the, uh, playing time he wants. He, he features well for them. Uh, sounds like Borussia is, is interested in him. Uh, you know, he's going to leave on a free. So I think he's, there's a lot of opportunity there. People are, aren't going to have to overpay to get him. But then again, people aren't going to have to pay a lot to get him. So, you know, if, if it's anything, you know, in some of these leagues, like it is in, you know, the NFL or the NBA, when you bring in a, a guy and you pay him a lot of money, you feel like you gotta play him, you know, yeah. or if you pay a lot to get him. So there's pressure that comes with, you know, a transfer fee. A lot of guys who come in on a free, they, you know, sometimes can get pushed to the bench, uh, because, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, uh, kickback financially for it, or there's not a lot of pressure because of the finances for it. Uh, I, I, I like him to stay at Hoffenheim, but, uh, you know, I, I, just all these guys coming home, I don't want to see it. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to see him stay in Germany. I think that's a good place for his, the, his type of game. Yeah, um, I, I too, I think yeah, I would like to see him stay in Bundesliga. I mean, uh, it would be great to see him manning someplace along the line in, uh, in, uh, MLS, but. I mean, for what it's worth, it's not like Bradley or Dempsey. He would he'd be doing it after the World Cup, making that move, uh, and how he plays in the World Cup will probably go a long way in determining where he ends up. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann did once call him the best left back and or the best young left back in the Bundesliga. So uh, who knows? Maybe he'll end up with one of those top clubs uh, starring, and then when he's he'll be thirty uh, come twenty eighteen. So still very much 
uh, a possibility to play for in Russia. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, but I, I think I'm with you. I would definitely like to see him stay in Europe. Um, I don't love the whole players coming home to America kind of thing, but uh, it, 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 we'll see what happens. So there are some rumors this week about who the U.S. will be warming up against for the 2018 World Cup. Uh, there is no rumor so far as to who they may play at Stanford Stadium on May 27th. But there are rumors that the second match at Red Bull Arena could very well be against either Sweden, Serbia, or Turkey. And the U.S. will face very possibly Nigeria down in Jacksonville before they head to uh, Brazil. Um this is obviously this is decent quality opponents at the U.S. Especially if they can get Sweden and Zlatan Ibrahimovic to come to New Jersey. Uh, what do you think? Do you think these are the right types of teams the U.S. should be warming up against before they head off to uh, Brazil? Yeah, well, clearly they're trying to get an African team in. They're trying to get a you know a, a Central or Eastern European team to come in so that they can play and try and mimic uh, the kind of style that they're going to play against Germany. I'd imagine that they'll they'll have a you know a Central American or a Western uh, European type you know uh, fast possession type team uh, be the be the third game, and they'll they'll try and mimic a little bit what they're going to try and do against. Portugal. It makes a lot of sense to me, and uh, yeah, I, I, my, like I said last last time, you know, the only thing I'd do is is put those games all down south and let them, you know, let them run around in the heat and humidity and get a little bit accustomed to that. Yeah, I, I mean I, that that's the thing, and I think uh, only their Florida match is really going to allow them to do that. Um, the um, last time they played Czech Republic in Connecticut uh, with kind of a secondary team where they weeded out some guys before they settled their final twenty three. Uh, Turkey in Philadelphia, and then they played Australia in South Africa. Um, and then they went on to win their group before uh, flopping out in the round of 16. So uh, I definitely th- I do like these opponents. I think they are up the right alley uh, to get them prepared for Brazil, uh, and hopefully that will lead to good greener pastures for the U.S. national team. All right, so now we have some big news out of Miami. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's right. David Beckham has announced Beckham FC, and they will be coming to Miami probably no later or no sooner than 2017, I should say. Uh, this will be the 21st team in Major League Soccer. Uh, Miami has been the home of a MLS franchise before. Uh, they folded in 2001. They, at the time, play, played out at Lockhart Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. The one big difference this time is they plan on building a stadium in Miami in the heart of all the excitement of that city. Uh, what do you think about the Miami FC coming to MLS in 2017? Uh, I, I, I think expansion's kind of gone a little too far. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, Beckham's a good brand. He's a good name that you, um, want to have behind your league. Uh, he obviously brings a lot of attention, uh, to the MLS, uh, from the time that he signed, you know, even till now, this is getting, uh, worldwide coverage. The fact that he's, uh, you know, purchasing, uh, an expansion license. So from, from a standpoint of exposure, it's great. It's fantastic. Is that team going to be successful? Uh, is are, are the notoriously fair weather Miami fans going to respond? Uh, and is MLS 
you know, sprawling too far, too fast? Uh, those are all really good questions because most uh, top flight leagues, you know, hold at 20 teams, you know, as a max. Uh, and I think that's a good number. I think particularly with, you know, U.S. development not being what it is in the rest of the world, uh, haven't, you know, caught up, especially at the high school level yet, or even younger for that matter. Uh, I think it's going to be tough to stock all of those teams. So I think when we see, you know, NYC FC startup, when we see Orlando City startup, when we see uh, Miami startup, I think we're going to see a lot of just I think MLS is going to take a step backward in terms of quality. I think it's going to take a step backward in terms of its ability to compensate its players because they're negotiating a new television contract and they're going to have to split that pot more ways. And it's going to just basically have the effect of nullifying all the extra money that they're going to get. Uh, so I, that's a pretty long winded answer, but I, I think we're expanding too much too fast, and it's probably going to be to our detriment. I'll try and cover each thing you talked about. Uh, first, starting with Miami FC, I, I definitely think this is the first franchise where they really are taking a risk by starting it. Uh, the plus is, compared to Miami FC and the Miami Fusion, is that, yes, David Beckham is behind this franchise, and that is a great name to have, and it will carry a lot of weight. Uh, I think for this team to succeed, they need to – Gauge the fan base that's already the existing soccer fan base down there. Figure out who their favorite teams are. And the first DPs have got to come from those teams. Uh, I mean, uh, of course, that that's a little short-sighted because bringing Janinho to uh, the Red Bulls didn't exactly cause the uh, Brazilian uh, Newark-based uh, crowd out to come out to Red Bull Arena. But it, it's, you know, it's a little something. Uh, that stadium that they build has to have a retractable roof. I don't know how in the middle of the summer you're going to play a game outdoors in Miami. I mean, the heat has also, as you said, kept fair weather Miami fans away from checking out uh, these teams. So this is something they got to handle perfectly for it to succeed. Uh, and so it is a little worrisome. Uh, and that's the thing is that I said 21st team is actually the 22nd team that's going to come to LS. And Don Garber has said he plans on expanding to 24. And if you look at the teams in terms of the future of the MS, if you look at the MLS, if you look at the, the cities that are possibly, I mean, you got Atlanta, who Arthur Blank apparently wants to share his new Falcon stadium. So they're not going to have their own soccer specific stadium. Uh, you got Minneapolis. That doesn't really ring true. Uh, St. Louis has been always pointed out as a soccer hotbed in this country, but have you really heard anything coming out of MLS recently? Sure, they got that historic aspect to them, but so does Bethlehem, Pennsylvania with the Bethlehem Steel, and you're not going to put a team there. Uh, San Antonio is one that could keep building. They do have a very nice stadium for the NASL team. Uh, and a fairly rabid fan base. Uh, but after that, you got Charlotte, Sacramento. Who these last two teams are going to be is a tad bit worrisome. Uh, if you can get some, that's Pacific Northwest style, uh, gra- grassroots, uh, grassroots attitude built, which I think they have in Orlando. So I do think Orlando is going to be a success. Then maybe you can look at some of these other cities. But right now, that's definitely worrisome as to where this expansion is going to go. As for the finances, yeah, they have this new TV deal, and it is going to be a little tougher to split the pot. Uh, that being said, I, I think with the CBA, you're going to start seeing some better better wages, and I think you're going to see a salary cap increase. I think you'll see better, well, low, you know, guys aren't going to be eating ramen noodles to uh, get by anymore. I think you'll start seeing guys make some fair wages. 
And I think that means that the MLS is going to start competing. It's not that they're going to simply have to rely on U.S.-based talent that probably shouldn't be professionals. Let's be frank. I think you're going to start seeing MLS compete with the Mexico uh, League MX, with uh, maybe Brazilian Serie A, maybe Argent- Argentina's league. Uh, you might start seeing them, com- you know, compete for talent and uh, really start to become one of the better leagues in the Western Hemisphere. Because for MLS to succeed, they have to do that. They have to be the top league in the M- uh, Western Hemisphere. They cannot continue to sit and be this second-rate league, which. I love, don't get me wrong, I'm really not trying to put the league down, but if it's going to succeed and continue long term, it just absolutely cannot be the, uh, this team that only, this league that only spends $2.5 million, uh, on salary. Uh, listen, I don't disagree with you. Let's, let's focus on being better than Mexico first. Absolutely. Let's, I mean, baby steps in everything. Absolutely. I disagree, or I don't. I don't think Orlando is going to be immediately successful. I could be wrong. I just think that's another type of place that they that they that teams tip like to leagues like to build teams there, and then it doesn't work out for one reason or another in the way that they think it should. Florida is just a very difficult place for for sports in general. Uh, because there are a lot of people on fixed incomes, uh, cough, cough. Uh, and, and, and you know, there, there's just, it's just difficult. Now, what I would like to see is if they expand, like, say, you know, Raul Castro dies, they put a team in. How would you like that? The party <laughs> be off the hook. Or put a team, just for the hell of it, put a team in, where am I going to say, Pat? Uh, let's think, uh, Puerto Rico, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Get some really nice, you know, Cajun food up in the, uh, up in the stadium, some parades going. I mean, one thing that I really have liked with, you know, the, the recent MLS boom is fan bases injecting some of the local flavor and culture into their teams. I, I don't, hey, I hate every team in the Western Conference that's not the Rapids, but, you got to respect the hell out of the Timbers for all the stuff that they do with the cu- cutting of the logs and all that shit after they score a goal. You got to love it. I mean, it really adds something to it. So fan bases that have some sort of cultural flavor like that, I could I could see that. Orlando, I can't I I can't identify anything with Orlando. It's kind of blah to me. And Kansas City, I I mean, I do think that there's something to say about having a strong soccer heritage. To have, have, you know, sired a bunch of, uh, good players from that, from that area. And, you know, MLS does want a natural rival for KC. And that, so that would make sense. That's all assuming that the league should expand beyond where it is. Now, there's, there's always the argument that Chivas should move to some other place. And so that might become another, you know, MLS city, but, uh, you know, that notwithstanding, I think they gotta halt it at 22. Yeah, I, I definitely think they should, they should, if they want to expand to 24, they gotta take their time. Uh, I, I will say this about Orlando, they do have a sizable Brazilian po- population. So that's something that could, uh, they could benefit from. Uh, the other thing I will say about Florida, at least in terms of MLS, is that they, Florida in general has a very wishy-washy fan base because it is full of transplants. 
the you know that's why there's so many Yan- that's why when it's Tampa Bay Rays versus the Yankees the Red Sox the stadium is full of Red Sox or Yankees fans not Rays fans um the difference here at least with MLS is that someone who moved to uh Orlando 15 years ago from New York may very well not have been a Red Bull fan you know because the fan bases for MLS is very young so that's where Florida could succeed this time around uh, with the Florida fan bases, the I do love your I love your ideas for New Orleans. I think that would be a fantastic cultural soccer team. The only problem I'd go being, to those games. I, oh, I would love it. I would go. You know, sign me up for the first season. It's just, is there anyone calling for a team there? I mean, is there a grant? No, you know? I'm saying I, I'm not saying that anyone's asking to put a team there. I'm just saying I would want to see teams that continue to sub- celebrate a a grassroots local. Unique yes. culture that that feeds the energy that the league and the momentum that the league has right now. Yeah, uh, and that's the way to grow is to get more people excited about it and more people really invested in it because they see that they that they are invited to inject part of their lives into the culture of the club. And to be honest, that's something that the Rapids try to do on some levels, but don't really succeed in doing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but you got to give, you know, the Sounders credit. You got to give the Timbers credit. You got to give, you know, the, the Canadian teams credit. They do that on a, on a pretty cool level. And it's helping the, it's helping the league and, and the game grow here at a faster rate than maybe people expected. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, as much as many of us fans outside want to hate the Timbers and want to hate the Sounders for what they've got, um, it's true. They, they, they absolutely are bringing a whole new atmosphere for this team. Um, but you know, something you said, uh, just to maybe kind of wrap up, the MLS's immediate goal has to be, uh, they have to take on Mexico. We have to become a better we have to become the best team the best league in North America. We have to start beating Mexico in the Champions League and that has to be the immediate future. No more than five years out. MLS has got to start opening up the checkbooks a little bit. And I'll say too, we can't do that by by just developing US players. Yes. Uh, although that's important. Absolutely, yes. We can't do it by just pulling off pensioners from European leagues either. Uh, absolutely a, a more teams need to be pursuing a style and players that are consistent with Central and South America. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Just because it's a good way to, to grow the game. It's a good – and it's different. And the, the European style is not something Americans really respond to. Um, I mean, especially, you know, English. We just right. knock over the top and run after it. People don't respond to that. 1-0 games, they're boring as hell. And so it, it, the more that we can get into Joga Benito, you know, uh, it, I think it really benefits us. And and you see Jurgen trying to impose that style on the U.S. team where it's really possession-oriented. There's a lot of good movement. There's not as much interchange as maybe, maybe say, total football from, you know, the Dutch. But um, – you know, you can see some elements of of interchanging and good movement and good passing and, and quick counterattacks. And those are all things I think need to take root in MLS, not just, you know, stout defending, 
hard hits. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's what p- players report when they come over to MLS from other leagues. Wow, right. I didn't expect it to be this physical, you know, um, or this this physically demanding. But I think there's got to be that level of speed. There's got, and then following that, a level of skill and cheekiness that that we just don't have right now. And I think to to even be uh, bring on top of that, I think players from Central and South America, uh, they don't necessarily view MLS as a retirement league. And I'm not saying Cahill, Henry, Beckham, or whoever have done that. I think a lot of those 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 three, especially, I think really did uh, try their best when they got here. But um, I, I think there's already that a bit more respect from Central and South American players. So I think you want to see you want to build more from them uh, than you want to do European players. So uh when Raul Castro dies, you think Chivas moves to Havana? I would love I listen, I'll buy the damn team and move it down there and the heat was on me. Good stuff. All right. I think that pretty much covers all the topics. Uh we have a little new segment here. That's right, Jason I Bicker, our producer, is gonna give us a yellow and a red card based on what he heard tonight. Jason, take it away. Alright, so beginning of the show talking about the South Korea match. Pat, you said it's a meaningless game. Well, I understand the context in terms of the FIFA rankings, it is not, therefore you get a yellow for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chris, you get a yellow card for calling Pat a dick for quote, stealing your back line. <laughs> I didn't realize Pat. sportsmanship was going to be something here that we had to adhere to. <laughs> not, not all the time, but anyway. Um, Pat, you get another yellow for not knowing who Josie Alzheimer played in the Capital One Cup, which was Man United, by the way. Sutherland played Kinnaminster in the FA Cup. Ah, uh, okay. Ah, uh, fiddlesticks. <laughs> uh, this next one's also for Pat. Um, this originally was going to be red, but I bumped it down to yellow after you admitted you made a mistake about Miami being the 21st team where you correct yourself saying it's the 22nd, with uh, NYFC being 20 and Orlando being 21. And last, Chris gets a yellow for lobbying in our private chat to give Pat a yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so the final count is Pat with three yellow cards and Chris with two. Uh, All of mine are just conduct. <laughs> hey, conduct counts in, uh, in games. Remember that. I got you. There are cards for descent. <laughs> All right, so no, 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 nothing egregious enough for a red this week, but uh, well, we have a long season ahead of us. Yeah, we'll work harder next time. We'll get a yeah. we'll bump that up to a red. <laughs> we even have to come up with a new color for some of the stuff we're gonna come up with. Maybe like FIFA, it's an orange. Ah, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. For me. <laughs> All right, that about wraps it up for us. Uh, you can check us out on our website, yanksgomarching.blogspot.com. You can email us if you have any questions, comments, at yanksgomarching at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash yanksgomarching. Twitter, we are at yanksgomarching. Give us a follow. Uh, you can follow me at pmacd82. You can follow Chris at Chris Kaminsky 18 and you can follow our producer, Jason, at Dr. Suge. Subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher Radio, coming soon, RSS. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Let us know what you think. It'll help us out. Uh, Chris, you have anything else? No, I'm just really happy that I've got this beer in hand and I can wash away the memories of Super Bowl 48. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to some uh, warmer weather and uh, some more important games because this – 
the waiting is the hardest part. Yeah, about one month ago until the start of the MLS regular season, uh, and it cannot come fast enough. Now, are we going to get together for that uh, Red Bulls Colorado game on March twenty second? I think you should definitely come out here, and we should go to Red Bull. We should get some Brazilian food in uh, Newark, and we should go check out the Red Bull game. Okay, all that's on you. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, so for me, for Chris, for Jason Iapico, this has been episode three of the Young Go Marching Podcast, and we will see you later. Thanks for listening, guys.